In this episode, we have another special guest with which we talk about all things remote, like organizing a meetup, or a conference, or work. Also, we all take a look at our home screens, and they're all perfectly normal, but just maybe not as normal as you would think. This is Contravarians, a podcast about Apple, Swift, and other programming-related topics. Good morning, uh, evening, Benedict. Morning, Buzz. Evening, Buzz. <laughs> yeah, so I think we should just stop and we should just say hi, because this whole evening, morning, I think we are, we're out of any routine here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and Spe- we are- Speaking of being outside of our ret- routine, it seems to be a bit more of a routine in, you know, in the latest episodes. Um, because we have another guest today, and that guest will pronounce his own name, <laughs> because that's <laughs> how he likes it. Um, but yeah, uh, hello, Pedro. Hello, Bess. Uh As you said, my name is Pedro, and I, it ends with Caresco, and I'm really excited to be here. We're very excited to have you. Welcome. Um, oh, welcome. thank you. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Peter and I have been uh, working together on organizing or are two of the co-organizers of the Swift Averro uh, conference. And we'll go into that later, as well as an app that Peter has been working on, uh, which is super cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to have you. Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. I mean, it's my first time, so it's going to be really fun, I guess. I've actually heard that it's not your first time. Uh, the other episode is not out yet, so we can still count this one as the first time, I guess. All right. But I've also heard that this is like part of your 2020 uh, goals, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, being, being invited to talk in a podcast is one of them. Uh, the others are contributing to the Swift language, organizing three new meetups of Cocoa Ads Portal. And I think I'm forgetting some, but you know, these are just a few goals for this year. Those seem like some good goals, so we can work with that. Yeah, they'll definitely be better if I'm able to achieve every single one of them, but let's see. Yeah, of course. I think uh, the other one is uh, writing some blog posts, by the way. Oh, that one to which you gave an idea. Oh, yeah. How could I forgot I won? <laughs> and how are you, Benedict? Uh, I'm locked up at home. Well, not locked up. I mean, as, uh, as the humanity is locking itself up, um, in Germany, we are not that quarantined yet. We are just not allowed to be outside in groups of more than two people. But I can still go outside. Um, it's just that I felt kind of sick for the past t- more than two weeks. Um, it's better now, but because of that, I locked myself up. And so I didn't really venture outside. And so I've been like basically just at home for around two weeks. Um, and I, I'm, I'm doing fine. But because of that, I, I started to game more. Because you need to fill up the time, right? I can't go to the gym anymore. I can't walk around. I can't go into shops and so on. I don't, don't, go, don't go to restaurants. So I needed something to do. I played. And I bought a, a game for the Switch called Witcher 3, which I wanted to play for some time. Um, it's a game of the year, 2015 or 16, fantastic game. I, I'm enjoying it a lot. And, um, well, 
sometimes you tumble down a path, right? And then you, you tumble one step more. And as I was playing it, I enjoyed it so much. And then I looked at videos of people playing the PC version. Um, and since the Switch is a kind of simple system, it's beautiful, it's fun, but it's it doesn't really have fantastic hardware for beautiful graphics. Um, the PC version looks, looks much nicer. And so I decided, you know what? Since I will do much more gaming in the next couple of months, I guess I will buy a PC, which is going to be my first PC since 2004. So mm -hmm. I haven't had one since then, long time, and I'm a bit excited about that. I guess I'm going to install Linux on it. I will um, play games with it, install Windows, delete Windows, install Windows again, delete Windows again, <laughs> stuff like that. Looking forward to it. Oh, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I also have been playing a few games uh, here and uh, now and then. And right now I'm playing kind of a little more of multiplayer and competitive games. I've been playing Rocket League and FIFA 20. Uh, but I've also played Witcher 3 for the Nintendo Switch and, oh god, it's really, really great game. Witcher 3 is one of the best so stories in a game that I've ever played. And it's really a long game. Uh, but at the same time, uh, being able to play it on the Switch is kind of the perfect fit because when I was playing it on the PS4, I noticed that I wasn't able to play a lot because, well, Witcher 3 is one of those games where if you play on a PS4, you want to play in long sessions. But the Switch is kind of the opposite. It, it, it allows you to resume, pause a game, resume a game in a different location. It's kind of a big boost for me playing Witcher 3 on the Switch. And the game is very well optimized. That's true, and um, I, I feel similar. I also enjoy that I can just pick it up, play on the big screen, and then play a bit in bed and so on, and just continue the story a bit. Um, one of the things that also was an upsell for me was that the save games sync between the PC and the Switch, so I can continue the save game on the PC and then continue on the Switch again, the same uh, game state. And that's cool. Uh, that allows me like to have the best of both worlds, kind of, and I'm looking forward to that. But, but you're right, the game is beyond it's just alone the ways in which you can um, influence the story and have multiple ways to to do things and it's it's just so complex and so much and all the character the voice acting and so on I'm, I'm always flabbergasted in that game it's wow yeah on the computer that you mentioned being is that something you want to build yourself or do you want to buy something um i'm really bad at hardware um a couple of years ago well my last computer the last pc that i owned i built myself and uh, that one froze up from time to time because, i guess because i'm just not good at this um so what i did was i researched all the components um to make sure they are linux compatible and that they in theory are also hackintosh compatible compatible i don't want to do that but maybe i want to play around with it um and then i found a integrator where you basically can choose the components, and they build the system for you. Um, and one thing that I optimized for was silence. Um, so I wanted to have a system that is really silent when I'm not stressing it. I don't want to hear any fans or anything and loud noise and stuff like that. It has to be as silent as possible. And I hope that I achieve that. I mean, I don't know, right, because it's a custom-built system, so you can't hear it beforehand. And I looked into, there are a couple of integrators that sell hardware, just like the Mac Pro, where basically it's fully assembled, it's supposed to be very silent, 
Um, but even then, um, for these systems, everybody just talks about how fast it is and what the graphics card can do. And there are very few dB uh, readings where you get the noise ratio, where you get get an, an understanding of how silent it actually is. So I, I just looked at a lot of um, charts of the individual components, how noisy they are, and always picked the a least noisy, noisy one, and that's my system. And until I have it, I don't know. I really hope it's going to be silent. <laughs> I mean, you can always just wear headphones, and then you don't hear it at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, when I'm gaming, it's fine, right? Because then you have headphones. But I just enjoy sitting there. I mean, I want to. I have a couple of plans of things I want to do with it, and one of them is running OS 10 in a virtual machine, having Xcode in there, uh, but just so that I can connect the. Um, auto-completion server to it so that basically I can use a, the, the Linux desktop for all the stuff but still work on a Mac or iOS app because it's, it's offloading the computation into a virtual machine and uh, stuff like that is what I want to play around with. Oh, um, so you're another, crazy, one of, uh, oh, another one of Benedict's Rube Goldberg machines. <laughs> yes, I, I love Sounds these like things. Sounds like a great idea, though. I, I built a computer once, and it was so much fun. But it was at the same time super nerve-wracking because I was like, you know, I don't know if this is going to work, right? Like, you built this thing, mm. and especially the first time you do it, it takes quite a long time because you want to double, triple-check everything. And then, like, after hours and hours and hours, you just, like, plug and pray, as they said about mm. Windows, instead of plug and play. Um but it's super rewarding, so, yeah. But I can imagine that you don't want to do it yourself. Yeah, and I mean, I, I did part myself, right, because I choose all the components, which is obviously the easy part because they are supposed to work together. It's standardized, standardized, but still you want to make sure that you choose the right base components. It's just the assembly that I'm not doing. But, but I mean, I still spend way too much time on this. <laughs> right. So apart from gaming and, like, filling up our time... Uh, I feel that we're pretty lucky, like all three of us, where we can still do our normal work. Um, but obviously, like most other people, um, we do that remotely. We do that either from home or from wherever. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about that, Pedro, because you've recently joined a company called Doist, and they are remote by default. So yeah. um, like, what's your, what's your experience been working remotely? Uh, as well as how that has changed uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, where basically everyone has been working remotely, and yeah, the whole situation, of course, also changed. So I've, my experience has been mostly positive. I mean, actually, now that I think about it, I don't have anything negative to say, apart that, well, we are all kind of stuck at, in our homes, and we can't go outside for a, ru a run, for a walk, uh, for shopping even. I mean... We are just stuck at home. But apart from that, working remotely has been a really good experience. I mean, uh, I had to adapt to, to some of its barriers for things like, for example, effective communication plays a really important role. Uh, I mean, it plays a really important role either if it uh, doesn't matter if you're working remotely or known remotely, but especially when you're working remotely, it plays an even bigger role. Also, tech, te uh, test management is very important, uh, but I think I'm lucky that I was already do, uh, using a proper system to manage my, my tasks and plan my week in advance. What do, what do you mean with test management? So, uh, for example, uh, I like to plan what I will be doing during the, the week, uh, during the weekend before, for example. 
If for the next week, I will plan that during uh, Sunday, for example, where I'll define the tasks that I'll have to do. And I will plan which tasks should I tackle, when, how, is there anything blocking them, which one has higher priority and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, and on that topic, like, are there any tools that you use maybe for that, but also for remote work in general that has, that has helped you uh, achieve that? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of new to remote. I've just started doing it uh, on March. But even before that, I was, I was already using a, a technique called Eisenhower Matrix that was invented by a former president of the United States. Uh, the Eisenhower Matrix is kind of a simple tool for considering the long-term outcomes of your daily tasks and focusing on what will make you the most effective. It's not just about productivity, but also about, effect, uh, but also about how you can be the most effective. It helps you visualize all your tasks in a matrix of urgent and important. In short, uh, you'll be categorizing your tasks and the results can be completed as soon as possible, scheduled, schedule it in your calendar, delegate it to someone or simply delete it. Uh, the application I use is not kind of a, a deal breaker for anyone. I mean, anyone can use the application they want, but I use Todoist and I mean, it's kind of biased because the company I'm working for now is the one that built Todoist. But <laughs> like I said, I'm not getting paid for to say this. You can use any, any, any task management application that you prefer. For example, there's things, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, app, of applications at market. So come on, just choose I, one. I, I basically uh, use reminders and notes, so uh, you, can <gasps> go, you can go pretty low-tech. Yeah, it can be pretty low-tech. I mean, I think the most important part is kind of the framework that you choose to, to organize your, your tasks. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something where you have to figure out what works for you, right? Definitely. Yeah, it also, to me, it, this seems to be a topic where every developer builds his own tool, oftentimes. When you look for to-do apps <laughs> on, uh, on GitHub, it's... Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot. I guess I'm the exception to that rule then. <laughs> I think I never built one. I mean, I'm not building one, a Doist, but before that, I actually think I never built a to-do application. Oh. You even, you, you leveled up, you just get paid. To <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think, I, think, yeah, I think that's probably the right thing to do. I mean, you better, if you're going to do something, you better get paid to do it. That's uh, certainly true. So apart from working remotely, um, we've we've been like seeing the shift where we can't just work on site, but we can also not meet with other people. So, for example, for conferences and meetups, uh, a lot is changing. And like I already said in the intro, Pedro, like we are both co-organizing a conference, uh, which has been really tricky in these these times. Um, what is your what are your thoughts on like everything going on and meetups and and uh, conferences going remote? I don't know, man. I mean, it's a really hard question to answer. To be honest, I mean, no one is prepared to move a conference or a meetup to to remote a remote format in two or three months. Um, for example, we at Swift Aveiro are still figuring out what's the best thing to do because in the end, people are paying for your conference and you have to make sure that you can live to their expectations. However, with such a small window to adapt, and in this case, it's not only the organizers that have to adapt, our mentors, speakers, attendees, everyone has to adapt and they may not feel comfortable doing so. And with that in mind, we may as well have to cancel the whole thing. 
But at the same point, a lot of people bought airplane tickets, hotel tickets, and most of the times companies can are able to postpone it instead of refunding, refunding you. So I feel there's really no right answer between doing it, postponing it, or canceling it. Because no matter what, you do, what we decide, uh, something could go wrong, and the uncertainty and lack of knowledge on what our future will be is what makes this question so hard to answer. In short, and skipping off this kind of rambling, uh, I really don't know. I mean, and a lot of things are changing, and we don't even know when they will stop changing. So the window that we have to adapt to the situation is really small, but it can also be kind of huge. So I'm really kind of lost in how should I organize the next Cocoa Ed Sporo event? How, how should we even move forward with Swift Aveiro? Everything is kind of a big question. I also find it tricky because some of the things that for me make up the gist of a conference are the, the close person-to-person -person connections you foster there. And um, I, I think, I mean, you can take some parts and make it virtual or online, like the talks, for example. Uh, yeah. But these standing together in groups, running into people, at lunch sitting next to somebody you don't know yet, talking about the topics, that's much trickier to pull off. I mean, there are probably ways to do that, um, but I feel it's more difficult because it's unproven and undone. It's something that hasn't really been done yet, so we have to explore and identify the parents here and how to do that and how to do it correctly and how to make it feasible. Um, so it will. It might be that we need a couple of conferences to get this really well working, but maybe it's just one conference and next year is everything, everything is back to normal. So it's tricky to make this really good on the first try. For sure. And I think it's, it's up to all of us to figure out what to do here, right? And I think there won't be a fantastic first try and that's okay. And I think what's also difficult is to start thinking outside of the box and saying, hey, we don't just want to recreate what an in-person event can do because you can't, right? And, and yeah. even if you try to do that, it will not be, well, I wouldn't say it will not be as good, but it will not at least not be the same. Um, yeah, but yeah, I feel it, the same, right? Like meeting in person is so valuable and I'm already, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really starting to miss it yet, but I'm also already looking forward to being able to do that again. I mean, that, that part of me, that kind of, those kind of moments where you meet someone you don't know, where you talk with someone that you actually know from Twitter, but you didn't realize it was that person. I think those are the moments that kind of differentiate going to a conference and watching the videos on YouTube. Mm. Because the talk itself, of course, it's not the same thing, but you can kind of get the biggest part of it from a YouTube video. But the rest of the conference is kind of pretty unique. And, and there's... Every single conference is different in every regard because you'll, in every single one of them, you'll meet someone, someone different, you'll meet someone new, you'll meet maybe your next best friend and you don't even know it. It's, yeah. mean, that's really hard to reproduce in a, in a remote environment. And in the same way that our tools for working on non-remote environments uh, work perfectly, they do not work well in remote environments. For example, look at our companies. Our, all, all companies outside uh, that were not used to remote environments are now trying to adapt because they are realizing that their methodologies don't work anymore in a remote environment. Mm. Yeah, so for me, like I've had quite a few people over the last year, especially like asking me like, hey, boss, uh, what conference should I go to? Swift and, Aveiro. And, 
well, <laughs> stating the obvious. Uh, uh, I'm probably also, you. I've also been asking them basically, it's like, hey, what do you want? Do you A, want to meet people, or do you B, really want to get hands-on experience? Because I think the workshop format um, that we do at Swift Averro, but is also there uh, for Swift Island, as well as the Swiss Alps, the Swift Alps, rather, um, is great if you really want to get hands-on experience and learn and whatever. And you will also get to meet people, etc. But if you want to meet people and really talk to a lot of uh, awesome people that you might know, but also just completely new people, then the talk format is a lot nicer because you can just say, hey, this one talk doesn't really relate to me that much. I'll take those 20 minutes and just mingle around with people rather than, hey, I'll miss this whole workshop, which doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you go to a, a workshop conference, you um, are oftentimes mixed up with somebody you don't know. You, so um, you have to do something in groups and then you're sitting to a person you don't know and then you also learn new people also in your team. Um, both have, I think, ad advantages and disadvantages, yep. but for all of those, you learn and easily meet new people, which is much more difficult to do online. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, I'm really curious to see how UIConf and app builders that already announced they are going to, to do a remote version of their conferences are going to handle the situation. I mean, I've, uh, I've bought my ticket for UIConf today. And I know I bought it mostly because I saw in their, in their website that they announced some kind of social activities and ways for people to network and hang out. And I was like, yeah, I think I need to be in the front line of, mm. of this event because I really want to see how conferences are going to step up and be able to achieve this same effect of meeting new people and getting to know new people. Uh, but it is this time in a remote, uh, in a remote environment. Do you think that um, once we are do through with this situation and things are back to normal and we can have conferences again, that there will be some conferences that stay remote or there will be new conferences that are only remote? Because it, it does have its advantages, right? People don't have to fly everywhere there from, from far away, have to be in a hotel, have to leave their family and so on. They can participate on the, in the conference while they are still at home. Um, so from, from a different perspective, it's great. Uh, just like I think work from home is going to be much stronger once we are through with the whole corona situation. I wonder if also the conference feel might be a bit different in the end because we had a couple of conferences but then that in the end we get better and better and then next year maybe some conferences say okay we will be online only because this kind of works and it's great for some people especially for those that can't attend other conferences because of family situations yeah. I feel that we will see a definite change um, right now I would say I hope it won't all go remote um, I hope that not. might change I think especially over like the last month like it, something you said the last month is just completely turned around like right now mm. um i think uiconf actually is a great example of uh what i would love a conference do next year so what they did is they would live stream all the talks um like even last year so there would be an in-person event uh, where you would pay for and then they would have the youtube live stream with all the talks uh for free and i think that's uh Like that might, ex we might see some expansions there to make that more interactive remotely. Um, but I think that that would be a great level uh, of remote versus in person. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, th I think this year will be very important and will define how conferences will evolve in the upcoming years. Because uh, in a way, uh, doing a remote conference is not only a lot cheaper for the organizers because they won't have to pay flights, they don't have to pay for hotels, but it's also a lot cheaper for attendees because they don't have to pay, to pay air airplanes, they don't have to pay for hotels again. And even the, the ticket conference is usually cheaper. For example, I think UICONF is selling for 100 euros, where usually it would be around 400, I think, 500. And there's also the thing where, uh, in terms of number of attendees that you can have, uh, the number can also be raised because you're doing an online event. You don't, you don't depend on any venue or anything like that. So maybe conferences will find kind of a sweet spot to attract new new attendees because through the fees, they'll spend a lot less money if they'd go remote and their tickets will be a lot cheaper. So maybe we'll, but I think we'll it find goes, a sweet I think it goes both ways, right? Because sure, like doing this remote is cheaper for basically everyone involved. Um, but at the same time, then we are forgetting about the hotels. We are forgetting about um, the the airplanes i don't really care for the airplanes but whatever right and indeed the socializing but like without conferences being there in person like maybe hotels are going to be struggling so i think we have to keep that in mind at least yeah, that for sure. it goes both ways yeah uh, uh, keep in mind i'm not defending that remote conference is the way i'm just saying that i definitely see that there are some advantages advantages for both sides and maybe this will be explored in the upcoming years. But definitely the conferences that are leading it this year will kind of prove if this is good enough for people or not. So speaking about um, conferences and the iOS community, um, you also have a really interesting app in this uh, regard that you're working on, Pedro. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so uh, I'll do a little pitch to start. So what's Cocoa Hub, you ask? So Cocoa Hub is an iOS application that gathers news, articles, and events related to Apple's programming ecosystem in the palm of your hand. It's an app from developers to developers with almost all of its tech, including content, being open source on GitHub. So that means it's basically an application that you can install on your phone, and then you get all the interesting news from the iOS Swift community without having to go through Twitter and Reddit and Hacker News and so on. So basically you get the, the most interesting news curated by you or, or created by, curated by the community. Exactly. That's the goal. It's, it's a really cool app. I installed it on my phone. I installed it on my, uh, on my iPad and I love it. It's, it's really nice how you, um, how you select the, um, and display the individual content. It's also a lot of attention to detail in that app. I really like that. A lot of small, you, very nice things. Really happy to hear that. I mean, it definitely gave some work, especially on developing, developing the concept and the idea behind it, but also the little details that you mentioned also are pretty fun, not only to build, but then to see people value them. Mm -hmm. So De tell us about those little details. What kind of little details uh, can we see in this app and what, what makes you motivated to work on those? Uh, I would like to revert the question. So which kind of little details did you guys notice, for example? Um, you have alternative app icons. Um, okay. And also, I, I generally like that you have a app icon that has a very beautiful, very simple shape. Um, oh, the cocoa, right? 
Yeah, the cocoa bean uh, in the in the tesseract. Ah, uh, okay. You're meaning the, the main logo. Okay, so uh, we can start with going uh, about the logo since you mentioned it, and then we I can talk a little about the whole thing regarding mm -hmm. animations and little details that you can see inside. Yeah. So regarding the logo, uh, as you said, uh, or or as I said, I don't even remember. Uh, the central part of the logo is pretty. It's pretty easy to guess. It's just two cocoa beans. The external part comes from a tesseract, which in short, and if you simplify this a bit, is pretty much like a cube, except that this cube also has three internal lines that connect to the center of the logo. These three lines represent the three main sections of the app, news, articles, and events. The blue colors are mostly due to Portugal and my hometown being near the sea, and because, well, who doesn't like blue? And yeah, I just made up this last sentence about colors, I just like blue. It's a nice color, it's also one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, and, and there aren't many apps using blue out there, right? I mean, they're just like, what, one million? I mean, we could have two million. <laughs> I think there are one million to two million apps with any color, including <laughs> rainbow. I don't know. I think I, I kind of split my, my home screen on, the, on my iPhone uh, by colors, and the, the, the part of the screen that uses the blue icons is usually filled, so I think there are a lot of apps using blue wait, color. Wait, let me, let me stop here. You sorted your apps by color. So you're, they're not sorted yeah. by um, the functionality or uh, what, they, what they're for when you installed it. No, they're <laughs> sorted by color. Uh, wait, I can fix this. I <laughs> first ordered them by color and then I sort by functionality. So all the, <laughs> inside the blue color, they are sorted <laughs> by functionality. I mean, that, that's helpful, come on. So, so on your first screen, you have social apps, like say like Twitter, because they are blue. And then on the second screen, you have a, a social app again, but this time it's red, like Tinder. Uh, but it's just on the, on the second screen because it's a different color. But, but okay, I get it. The, the, the way you're saying makes it worse. But, but yeah. <laughs> it, it's well, a very well-organized concept and it's well-studied. Come on. Now, I bet there are a lot of studies out there that confirm that I'm the best guy here organizing stuff. Come on. <laughs> Talking about weird, like... Um, overviews of apps on your phone. Mine is probably pretty normal, but I'm still different because my first uh, screen is just completely empty. And Come on. I basically never ever visit any of the other screens because I just launch everything in Spotlight. So technically, I guess I could also do the color theme, but yeah, it doesn't do anything for me anyway. Ben, I, I would just like to say that Bass said we are not, that we are not normal by saying that he is the normal one. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting when he said uh, that his was pretty normal because I know what his phone looks like and how I, his icons are sorted. And I was just smiling and thinking, right. I mean, I know that I'm not normal because I don't sort anything. It's basically my sort order is when did I download it from the App Store? That's <laughs> it. Oh, God. And you are trying to criticize my way of sorting. Come on. No, I, no, 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 <laughs> At least I, I do something. I was just trying to understand what's happening there. <laughs> Holy I mean, you, should, you guys should probably invite uh, Tim Cook or John Ive for the next episode. I mean, we, we really need to address this because I'm starting to feel really offended by the way you're calling me a not so normal kind of person. Yeah, when, the when, 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 when the person who called me has an empty screen on his iPhone. <laughs> the invitation are, are out, but they somehow they never respond to it. Yeah, oh. I think Johnny Ive doesn't have that well uh, of a reception in his white room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be. He, he's he's also probably asking for help, right? So. 
Yeah, he probably doesn't have a good microphone for a podcast. I mean, you guys are pros, so he needs yeah. to, uh, to address this. <laughs> Pro, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Um, and, and about the, the content on, on Cocoa Hub, um, you mentioned that this is something where you talk or at least basically involve the community. Uh, how does that work? Like what kind of content is in the app and how can people contribute? So the content in the app is um, news, articles, and events. Um, and all of Cocoa's, uh, Cocoa Hub's content is completely open source. There's a repository on GitHub that mirrors a Cocoa Hub database, and anyone can submit pull requests, comment issues, and therefore contribute to the content that everyone will see on the application. As an example, we have a weekly newsletter of articles that we call editions, and we usually open a, a issue every week on Monday, and people can submit articles from anyone until Friday. This is usually where the community helps the most, with each shot, our first contributor, being notably active there. I'm usually more focused on delivering news, obtaining events, and wrapping, wrapping up an edition. As another example, a few weeks ago, I believe, we also had a kind of... Um, uh, an issue where people could submit their favorite podcasts and newsletters and in the end we ended up selecting a few of the most voted ones and started sharing the content from those podcasts and newsletters on Cocoa Web with Contravarians being one of them. Congrats! Woohoo! I will Please remember that the guys that are being shared on Cocoa Web called me a freak by organizing my screen by colors. I did not use the word freak. I just inquired. <laughs> did. I did. just inquired more information about a. Know, sorry. Do you know the Chinese proverb? Sometimes you get what you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this that works this way, but okay. I also don't think it's such a nice Chinese <laughs> proverb. But hey. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a it's a really beautiful app, and uh, I love how it makes it easier to stay in touch because not everybody has the time to scroll through Twitter every all day, and some people also don't want to because there's obviously also a lot of information, especially now with the crisis, that you maybe just don't want to see, and so it's nice to be able to stay in touch without having to um, go into these information fire hoses that are um, that are Reddit, Hacker News, and Twitter, uh, and whatever else there is. Um, so this it's really cool that it's there. And I, I hope that uh, there's a lot of users and that, that it will continue to bloom and to blossom so that it will make more, many more people happy. Thank you, Ben. I mean, that, those were really nice words. And uh, I really hope <laughs> the app continues to grow. And I think in the end, we can see Cocoa as kind of a productivity app too, because its main goal is to save you some precious time for, from searching on Twitter, Reddit, or whatever, whatever site you use. And instead, kind of centralize all the all that precious information in one place. One last question: um, Most of it is open source, right? So, yeah. if people see that and they think, "Oh, this is cool," I want to participate, or maybe I want to see how it's made. Um, most of it is open source. The main app, the actual iOS app, isn't, is it? Not yet. Yeah, it isn't. Mm -hmm. it, isn't it isn't right now. Yeah. Okay. And but it's it, most. Yeah, I, I, can, I can explain it. It's pretty, I'm very fine with it. I mean, uh, it was supposed to be open source from the start, but then I realized that when you want to, when it's a framework, I think it's a little more simple 
because it's I think it's easier to to have enough tests to cover the the flows that people can go through to make sure that if people add some kind of functionality they won't be breaking your framework but we not leave an app there's a lot to cover I mean there's UI interactions that there's logic there's there's a lot of stuff to test and there's a lot of stuff to document. I mean, there's the architecture that you have to explain to people. There's kind of, you have to set up, for example, Swift Lint or maybe Swift Format if you prefer. And in the end, I felt that if I wanted to keep developing Cocoa, I, I had two chance, I had two options. I mean, uh, I could either uh, stop developing new features and work on documentation, adding even more tests and things like that, or I, I could keep developing features and once I find that, okay, most of the core features that I really want to see in the app are done, I can stop for a while and start doing more tests and documentation and then I'll eventually open sources so people can start contributing without being affected by my, let's say, lack of uh, explaining things. I was about to say, you're just postponing tests. This sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> Uh, it's not that I'm postponing time. I mean, it has some, but it definitely needs more, especially in terms of UI tests, for example, or tests who test your flows and UIs. I'm mostly doing unit tests and snapshots right now, and I still need to find a way to, to achieve that balance where I can test the flow of an app. Yeah, I think especially if, if it is indeed uh, an open source app, you have to rebalance the way you write tests, right? Especially yep. if you're not the sole developer doing UI, for example, then UI tests are going to be more interesting and going to be, are going to be more valuable. Um, Definitely. But I can only, I, I can only give words of encouragement to, to open source an app. Um, I mean, I haven't done so myself, um, but I have been very much involved with uh, GitHawk that has now bloomed into uh, the original person starting this, uh, Ryan, actually joining GitHub uh, and building an app uh, for for them. So, well, that yeah. not, not might not work uh, for you because uh, <laughs> you, know, you know you're building your own thing. Um, I have really seen like working and helping in this on this open source app uh, as a great opportunity. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's something I'm really looking for because. I think uh, by open sourcing the application, the community will grow even more because more people get on board, more people kind of make Cocoa their own project too. And that's kind of the main goal of for an app that's, that's from the community to community. I want that people feel that Cocoa is also a product from them, from their work. Sounds like a great uh, outlook on the future of Cocoa Hub. Let's hope so. Let's hope that Cocoa's future is better than 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah for sure but also let's hope that the f future of 2020 <laughs> any, any for sure yeah. yeah let's hope so i really let's hope so i mean i really want to get outside of my house bus was supposed to move to the to spain um he still continues to be um on the team that uh, that we are working in together but he's moving to a different office he's moving to spain and so i decided to give him a present a goodbye, I don't see you anymore present, uh, that would make it easier for him to adapt to the new life in the new city. Um, now, that was before Corona. So now he is not in Spain, but he's instead in the Netherlands. Um, 
a former colony of Spain. However, um, I feel that the present that I have is also very useful in this context. And so if you want bus, you can unbox it now. And once you've unboxed it, you can tell us what you see. And then I'm going to share a video with the two of you uh, where you can see what this is. And then I will explain what it is. Um, but yeah, Bina, before I, I unpack. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited about unpacking this because um, the day before I uh, moved back to the Netherlands, uh, I had a coffee with Benedict and he handed this gift and he said, you can't open it until the next podcast episode. And like, that's actually a great idea because getting a gift like is super nice, but like you open it immediately. You don't have anything to look forward to. And like now I've been thinking about this for a few days, right? What could it be? And like <laughs> I've been talking to a few people about this and that's that's actually already like, I don't even have to unpack this thing and it's already like worth a lot of memories and thoughts. So uh, that's really cool. So yeah, I got a package from what looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> it's... It's also very, very neatly packaged. So let let I me should, let yeah, you should take a picture. <laughs> I will, I will. And let me explain that I only had this wrapping paper, and I'm not good at wrapping stuff. That's important to note. I can confirm yeah, this. <laughs> wrapping stuff is a lot harder than it looks. It is. It is. My girlfriend always says that. Yes, I think I once read the. Uh, Presented toilet paper because I had nothing else left. Okay, I've never done that. <laughs> I, feel, I think I'm kind of better than you right now. <laughs> I'm kind of the next level where I, I only use the paper from the pre previous years, so I'm still fine. <laughs> I, I had a, a nephew and he at least talked about it. I don't know if he ever did it. He would get a Christmas card and it would be like a normal card that basically has these, like it's like a, how do you say that? It has two spaces to write on like the left and the right right because you would open the card it's not like a single card right yeah makes sense right yeah. and what he would do is he would because people write on the right hand side what he would do is he cut it ah. in two <laughs> oh, and then he would send that card back <laughs> to the person that ah, sent it the year nice. before nice. <laughs> what a genius dagobert <laughs> exactly dagobert duck um Let's start unpacking. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. Retro game 300. Okay, so now if the two of you open your phones and go into the iMessage channel that we have, uh, there's a video that should have arrived now. Oh, no, it's still sending. Ah, I should have sent it earlier. It's still... Ah, it's, it's through. It's through. Good. There's a oh, video. It looks, it looks like thing. a combination between Game Boy and Game Boy Advance SP. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw these on the internet. Okay, so Bus, did you receive the video? Uh, I have not yet. Okay. My message app just froze. No. While playing the video. No. Jesus. Come on. Mine, <laughs> mine plays it. I don't have it yet no i should have sent it earlier no <laughs> oh now i do They're okay so this is fundamentally like a super small super nintendo except that it's not because obviously it's not officially from nintendo 
it's freaking out. Um, it's running a Super Nintendo emulator, um, and I spent considerable time finding this weird version of the Zelda ROM that you like so much, the Japanese 1.0, um, that you can use oh. to render old games. And then I spent more time to generate 750 different random versions of that game. So that basically every day wow. you can go in and pick another version of Zelda from 750 ones and uh, play it on the machine. And that's what you can see wow. in the video. So when you're that sounds fantastic. So when you're sitting alone in Barcelona or in, um, in the Netherlands and you're bored and you want to play Zelda, you don't need an emulator and a computer and a gamepad because this thing is a full-blown game, Zelda gaming machine. Now, it also does other things. You can also play um, PlayStation games and stuff like that, but who wants that, right? So you can play this, these weird random Zelda Link to the Past versions 750 times. And if you need more, just drop me a message. I can generate ever more for you. Oh, wow. Bene, that's fantastic. That's so cool. Um, maybe to give a little bit of background. Um, so I think, no, I don't think. I think I was eight or nine, but my first console ever was a Game Boy Advance SP. And the first game I got with that is Zelda A Link to the Past. And this game is incredible. Um, it's really, really, really good. And... What has been uh, done in the last few years is people have built what's called a randomizer for it, where you can still complete the game, but the items are in random locations. And that's not just a super cool pro programming topic and programming project, but it's a lot of fun to like see people play this game in a very different way, but still knowing what it's all about. Um, so yeah, this is this is really 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 great. It's definitely definitely not what I expected because <laughs> I could not have expected this. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I tried it a bit. I had to make sure that it works, and it was great fun. I have to say. I know. <laughs> I think you can start making more and selling them on the internet because. <laughs> I think there's a trend right now. There are a lot of companies building kind of their own Game Boys with custom software. I remember seeing one that, that was kind of yellow and black on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that, the, that was from Panic. Um, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, you can probably make a cool side project from this. I mean, it, this is your startup idea. Mine is Coco Dex. <laughs> you have a whole Game Boy. Yeah. Now you can merge and make yes. Coco Dex run on the Game Boy. <laughs> Cocodex to so the past. So what is mine? <laughs> oh, you're, you're just, I was just good at baking, so you don't need any startup. Yeah, I was about to say, I will become a streamer now and just play this game. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Remote life goals. Well, Bene, um, you left me speechless this time. <laughs> it's really, really cool. I'm really looking forward to trying it out. Glad you like it and share any feedback you have. Um, I hope you enjoyed. I hope it works well. Uh, I tried it and it, it worked for me. And I also played Zelda A Link to the Past when I was a kid. And I also loved that game. It was my favorite game as a kid as well on the Super Nintendo, though. And so um, playing it again, the Jap that Japanese version on there was actually very fun, like the brief amount I played it. Uh, so, yeah, um, I hope you enjoy it. Um, I also think this was, was a really great episode um but we are way over time so i think we have to st stop this now oh we can always do this again yeah 
Oh, this will be fun for sure. I mean, this was my first time ever in a podcast. I, I now really admire you both because doing this is really hard. I mean, I'm really nervous during the whole episode, so I envy how you are able to do this every week and sound as sharp as you always sound. I think you you stop being nervous after like two to three times because then it's it's just a conversation and that's what's important. Mm, I guess I'll give I'll have to give it a shot. Yeah. Okay. I think there was a this was a really interesting episode, a really fun episode. Um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. I would say thank you so much, Pedro, for joining us. Um, it was a pleasure to have you, uh, and it's always great to have. You know, people with us, especially now that we're all not like getting in contact with each other. It's nice to have a, a third person or maybe even a fourth person at some point. Yeah, I agree. And it was definitely nice to talk with you, except for a part that you call me a freak. But I apart from that, that it was really awesome to be here. And thanks a lot for the invite. Yeah, we'll think about this for next time because just making up things about like bad things that we've said. <laughs> Uh, uh okay okay no it was it was really nice it was a fun episode i enjoyed it um we will have links to the co-op app and to other topics we discussed obviously in the show notes as always and uh thanks for listening thanks for listening bye see you guys bye